Welcome to the Rock Community Church. Pastor John Warehouse is teaching from the Book of Acts. Enjoy today's sermon. Starting off in the Book of Acts, would you please turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Last night they laughed at me. I hope they don't laugh at me so much, but I told them... We're going to start off a little slow. We're not going to go real fast, you know. And and I meant that, you know, I didn't expect to hear them laugh. And I thought, oh, well, of course, I always go slowly. But the truth of the matter is, uh, what we are going to say here in the first few verses, unless you and I comprehend, the rest of it will fall. um, It'll be difficult to understand where Luke is taking us. It is very important to know that the church is beginning. The very essence of what we are today is taking place now in the presence of these dear people. And Luke is recording it to us so that we would have an understanding of what we're to be like. Church is not to be haphazard. The style of church, the music and all of that will change. But the very essence of what church is will always and should always remain the same. Nothing was supposed to change. And Luke wants you and me to understand this. And so, as I mentioned last night, I mentioned today, we're going to read the first eight verses, but I'm very apologetic, and I will tell you ahead of time, we won't get through them all, because I want you and me to understand what Luke is saying. And the first two or three verses are just power-packed, and set the tone for the rest of this great book. And so I want us to understand it. Please read with me in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Luke writes, The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. John baptized with water, But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But, he says, verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now that is a mouthful. That is so much to comprehend as a body of believers. Luke is saying the Father has commanded us. He has given us orders of what we're to do. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, Those orders have never changed. What he asked the disciples, what he asked the people to do there in that first century when he said, set this church up, wait, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you're to be my witnesses in this world. 
what he gave to them, he has also given to us. The same orders that he laid upon their hearts, he laid upon ours as well. And we need not to, um, we should not go away from that. And churches have. And my vow is to you and me is that we will try to figure out what it is that the Lord wants us to do and do it. We will not have other agendas. We will not have other programs. What we will try to do is sense the Spirit of God and move with Him. So let's try to figure this place out. It's really quite simple, but it's profound. And so I want us to know. Let's pray first. Please, Father, would you open up our eyes? We might behold wonderful things from your law. Allow us to sense, Father, that you are speaking to us this morning as we start the journey on this wonderful book called Acts. May we sense your heart in it all. And may we realize the importance that you've placed upon a group of people to pass along a message from one generation to the next that ought not vary, that ought to hold true to what was taught from the very beginning until you come again. And may we understand, Father, that though those apostles and those disciples and those people who who began the church back in that first century, they're all gone. They're all gone to be with you. And yet the, the spirit of that church lives today. It ought to live in every church that opens its door and names the name of your Son as their Savior and Lord, as their foundational uh, uh, cornerstone of their church. We wish to do this, Father. We wish to honor you the best we know how. And the way we'll do that is you tell us that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll be my friends. You'll do as you have been ordered. And so, Father, may we, may we be obedient to that. Now, Father, so that we don't fly by uh, the seat of our pants, dear Father, would you please lead us? Would you guide us so that we uh, sense that we are doing what you asked us to do? I pray these things, and I pray that you would take the one that gives this message and hide him, please, behind the wonders of your most glorious word. I pray in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. Let's get into this. Verses 1 to 8 set the pace. Luke begins in verse 1 by reminding us of the first account that he composed. And he mentions a a fellow by the name of Theophilus. What Luke is is speaking of, of course, is, is the writing of the Gospel of Luke. He mentions Theophilus in that writing as well. Look at Luke chapter 1, if you want, if you want to. Hold your place here and, and turn back to Luke chapter 1, and you'll see that he introduces both the book of uh, the Gospel of Luke as well as the book of Acts almost identically. He says in Luke chapter 1, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, "...inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word." It seems fitting, he says in verse 3, to me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. 
so that you may know the exact truth about the things that you have been taught. Luke wants us to know the exact truth of what has been taught. The reason being is that he doesn't want us to have that, that um, <clears throat> I don't know, privilege is not the right word. He doesn't want us to go astray. He wants us to stay confined to what the eyewitnesses have said about this one called Jesus Christ. When he says the exact truth that you and I have been taught, <clears throat> he is talking, of course, about Jesus Christ and everything that Jesus Christ did and everything that Jesus Christ said concerning who he is and what he was here on this earth to do. But who he is and what he is on this what he came here on this earth to do has a, a second gear to it, if you would, when we move into the book of Acts. Because, as we're going to see in a moment, Jesus Christ is going away. And he is leaving the responsibility of the most important thing that he could ever give, and that is his church. He is leaving that responsibility to the apostles, who are in return supposed to leave that responsibility to the next people after them. Let's watch. Go back to Acts chapter 1. Theophilus translates, means a lover of God. The name Theophilus means a lover of God. We saw in Luke that he was called most excellent. That's a title that was often used to address governors or people of, 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 uh, of importance. Paul does this as well in the book of Acts. Excuse me for a moment. I have a little frog. I shouldn't have sang. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> Paul addresses governors as most excellent. We'll find that much, much later on in this great book. In, in both Acts chapter 23 and verse 26, as it says up on the screen, in Acts chapter 26, verse 25, Paul calls Felix, who is the governor, most excellent governor Felix. When Paul stood before Festus, another governor, he says, Paul said to him, I am not out of my mind. Most excellent Festus. He says, I'm uttering you words of solemn truth. Well, that the language of this, calling Theophilus most excellent, was reserved for someone of, of high importance. I'm just saying this to you so that we would know that this Theophilus person is someone who was important within his community. Also, that Luke would entrust him with the writings of both the Gospel of Luke and here the book of Acts by mentioning his name, makes certain that this Theophilus was a believer. Truly he is a lover of God. Something that I would like to pass along <clears throat> to every single one of us, that we would have a sense of being lovers of God. Now let's take a look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 1 and let's see what, what Luke is saying underneath all of this. In verse 1... Luke writes, all that Jesus Christ began to do and teach, the word began there. Now, when we go through a study like this, we're going to take a look at words and we're going to break them down because words mean everything to what Luke is trying to say to us. The word began indicates that Acts is continuing the ministry that Jesus Christ began. Therefore, we can rest assured that Jesus Christ is still working through the church. You and me, people who know and love Him today. On the cross, 
on the cross, when Jesus Christ was on this earth and went to the cross, he finished. He said to Telestai, it is finished. What I have come, what Father, you have come and asked me to do, it is finished. And that was called redemption, going to the cross and shedding his blood for your and my sin, for the sins of this world. And nothing can be added to that, and nothing can be taken away from that work that he did at the cross. Look at John. John is the book just before Acts. Look at John chapter 17. Thank you guys for doing that. That is really helpful, I think, because sometimes you might not hear what I say, and you can look up in the screen, and you can see we're at John 17 and verse 4. Jesus Christ, in this high priestly prayer, he's in the garden, he's praying to the Father right now. And he says in verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. He says, I have accomplished, that means I have finished the work which you have given me to do. That work is accomplished. What Jesus Christ did on the cross is sufficient for your salvation and my salvation. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. But, as we come back to Acts chapter 1, we see that the cross only began, only began the work and the plan that Jesus Christ has for us as mankind. Today, you and I are called to move that plan along as our Lord asked us to do. We are to proclaim that plan to the nations, to the world. That's called evangelism. And Acts sets the pace, sets the standard that you and I are to follow, that Luke makes it known we are to see. We are to do as Luke is asking us to do in the book of Acts. Watch and see, watch. Look at verse 2 of Acts chapter 1. It says, then when he was taken up, the term taken up, that word alone is used three times here in the first chapter in a different form. Look at verse 9. We did not read that far, but we will in the weeks to come. After verse 9 of chapter 1, after he had said these things, Jesus Christ is speaking. He was lifted up, that he was taken up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Look at verse 11. They, they meaning two angels, came and stood along these people as they were watching him kind of just lifted up into the air itself. They said, men of Galilee, verse 11, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Now look at verse 21. They needed to uh, have another one take over as one of the apostles. It is necessary, they say in verse 21, that the men who have accompanied us all the time with the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that Jesus was taken up from us. One of these should become a witness with us of his resurrection. And so when Jesus Christ, the Bible says, was taken up, what Luke is saying, this is the end This is the end of his earthly ministry. He has been taken up. The angels were saying to the guys, why are you looking at him? 
Hasn't he given you something to do? Go, go about your business. He has told you to wait for him. He's going to empower you. Don't continue looking up. Start looking ahead what you're about to do. And what it does here in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it announces the end of his earthly ministry, but it announces and proclaims the beginning of the Holy Spirit's ministry on this earth and of great importance, the beginning of the ministry of the church, as we're going to see as this unfolds, namely you and I who through the Holy Spirit, we will be empowered to do what Jesus Christ has left for you and me to do while we are on this earth. Jesus said, I've already told you this. I already told you I'm going to empower you. Remember, he said to the people, they were, they were saying to him, where are you going to go? He kept on saying he was going to go. And he says, where I'm going right now, he says, you cannot come, but you'll come later. You will come later. To some of the people, he said, where I'm going... You cannot come and you're going to die, what? In your sins. He told them that he was going away. And he says, it is good. In John, in John chapter um, 16, um, and also one other place. Oh, in John 14. Let me just read it to you. Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, and the Father is going to give you another helper. Another helper means another of the same kind. Another like myself, namely the Holy Spirit. And he will be with you forever. He says in John 16, 7, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, he says, I'll send him to you. And why that is to our advantage is because it is the Holy Spirit that is going to empower you and me to do what God has called us to do. Apart from the help of the Holy Spirit, you and I can do absolutely Nothing. Nothing. The Holy Spirit is what moves and works with among us and with us and, and moves us into the places that God wants us to go. And so the Holy Spirit is about to come. Back to Acts chapter 1, verse 2. Until the day which He was taken up, after He had, by the Holy Spirit, note, given orders to the apostles whom He had chosen. The Greek word for given orders is E-N-T-E-L-L-O. It signals a very strong, a very domineering command. It emphasizes the force of that statement. Look at verse 4. In verse 4, he says, In gathering them together, Jesus was still with them on the earth. He commanded them. In other words, he gave them orders. He intelled. He gave them a very strong command. He says, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem. I want you to wait for what the Father has promised, namely that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon them. The reason he didn't want them to move, the reason that he didn't want them to do anything until the Holy Spirit came upon them, because if they tried to do something in their own power, it would have failed. They couldn't have done it without the Holy Spirit. And you and I can't do what God's called us to do without the power of the Holy Spirit of God upon our very being. Now, all of this makes it crystal clear that just because Jesus Christ was taken up, just because His earthly ministry was over with, it does not mean that He ceased to have His authority over us. He still is in charge. But now He works through the very Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, passing along, note, verse 2, His given orders through the Spirit to the apostles who in turn have passed these orders along to you and me. 
Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. We looked at it last week. You'll find as we go through a study, and, and if I, you know, as long as I'm helping, as long as we're doing this together, I will go back to certain verses that we've looked at before. We've mentioned this verse before. We're going to mention it again because it is really important for you and me to comprehend 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. The reason it is important for you and me to comprehend it, it is because Paul allows you and me to see that what he has been given orders to proclaim, he passes it along to another. But he says, I don't want it to stop with you, Timothy. I want you to pass it along to others who in return will pass it along to others. And what 2 Timothy 2.2 is all about is what you and I are about today. The orders that our Lord gave Paul, the orders that our Lord gave Luke, the orders that our Lord gave all of the apostles, he passed it along to them so that they would pass it along to the next generation. And so those same orders are our orders today. Look, look what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul says, Timothy, the things that you, that's Timothy, you, Timothy, you have heard from me. That's Paul. That's from one generation to the next. In the presence of many witnesses, there are other people who heard me say these same things to you, Timothy. In other words, what I am passing along to you, Timothy, I am doing what God has given me orders to do. That is to tell you what he has told us. Now he says, I want you to, still, still in 2 Timothy 2.2, I want you to entrust these things. I'm, I'm adding to this, but please understand, this is what he's saying. I want you to entrust what I have given to you. I want you to entrust these to faithful men. In other words, the next generation. I want you to not keep what I told you for yourself. I want you to pass it along to the next generation. Who will, that next generation, will be able to teach others also? That's us. It ends up in our lap. All of what was given orders to the disciples now is a part of your life and my life if we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So you can see why there is a very seriousness about church. Church ought not to be a country club. Church not ought to be a place where you get entertained. Church ought to be a place where you and I learn of the things of God so that we can, in a clear conscience, know what we've been taught and pass it along to the next generation. The people that I love, I love you all so much, I cannot put it into words, but the people that I love so much are the young people in our church. Because I want to make sure that they understand the things that we're saying is of importance so that you guys, when we're done, who knows, God might have you pastor. Who knows what God might have some of you young people do. But you are to take what we give to you and you're to pass it along to the next generation. I, I got a blessing the other day, last Sunday, more than I'll ever deserve. If nothing else ever happened to me in the ministry in this church, last Sunday was sufficient. It really filled me. I was walking out last service. I was going home. And a young girl came to me with a friend of hers, a guy. And she said, I want you to meet my friend. He has something he wants to say to you. And he said, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I went, oh, my God. And I said, "Uh, can I hug you? And he said, yeah. And I grabbed him and I hugged him. And I said, 
what a great journey you're about to take. I, I, I don't know all that I said to him, but I was just, I mean, I was broken to tears. You know, a lot of emotion went because she had entrusted him to tell me, you know. And then I, when I got through hugging them and everything, I kind of came to my senses and I said, um, is there anything you want me to do for you? And you know what she said? You just did, did it. You, um, she said, I told him. <clears throat> I told him. <laughs> I'm sorry. She says, I told him you'd be happy. And folks, that's what church is really about. That we can pass along to the next generation the things that we have learned about our Lord. And then we continue to grow in our faith and our trust in Him so that when we die or whatever, the Lord will continue His work through this church if, if He so desires through the young people who will follow after us. The next generation. And so on and on as Second Timothy 2.2 makes known to you and me on and on the teaching goes. And we, like Paul, we, like Timothy, faithfully pass along God's truth to others until the Lord returns. That's the orders that God gave to us. Now, while Jesus Christ instructed thousands of people while He was on the earth, His primary students were the apostles. He chose them, it says, He had given them orders, it says in verse 2. And those orders now, like it or not, have been passed along to us. They were to equip. They were to equip the ministry. They were to equip the church. And a critical goal of teaching was what they were do. And you know what their qualifications were? Listen to this. This is their only qualification. Look again at Acts chapter 1. Look again at verse 2. It simply says, he had given orders. See, at the end of the verse 2, he gave orders to the apostles. Here's their qualification. He chose them. They're not like seminary students. They're not like the smartest. In fact, in fact, when, when Peter, and I think it was John, but forgive me if I forget, but it was, one, it was Peter for certain. When he was preaching to the people, some of the, some of the religious, uh, uh, self-righteous religious people say, whoa, whoa, where does Peter get all this information? He's just, he's just an ordinary guy. And I know I've taken that out of context, but that's basically what they're saying. And what made Peter special was that he spent time with Jesus Christ and that our Lord chose him to do what God's called him to do. Look at, Look at John, the, the book just before John chapter 15 and verse 16. We're doing good. John 15 verse 16. The Lord God says, in John chapter 15 verse 16, you there? He says, you didn't choose me. He says, I chose you. And I appointed you, he says, that you would go and bear fruit. We're that fruit. And that your fruit would remain. That's us. We, have, we are the fruit of the apostles who started the church in the first century. And we are a part of that blessing. And we are a part of that fruit. And the Lord God prayed that we would remain. Listen, if He has, I should say since He has chosen you, you are very important. 
Look at Ephesians chapter 1, please. Ephesians chapter 1. Hold your place, Acts. Ephesians is to the right. You'll go past, you were in John, you'll go past Acts and you'll, you'll find Ephesians very shortly. It goes after 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and then Galatians, and then Ephesians. Listen to this. He has chosen you and me if we have trusted in His name. Look at verse 1 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. Paul calls himself an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He's writing this to the saints who are at Ephesus who are faithful in Christ Jesus. He says in verse 2, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Note verse 4. Just as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that you and I, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise and the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed upon us in the beloved folks you and i have been chosen as well god has chosen you and me to do something what it is i'm not certain i just know that he'll reveal it at the perfect time all he asks us to do in the meantime is to equip ourselves listen this message that luke is proclaiming so that you and i could read is so important for every church to grasp and sadly, there are churches out there that have, have strayed away from the very path that God has given us orders to stay. They become, you know. When the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, when you have accepted Him, He has saved you. He has gifted you. Last night I heard someone say, God... God's gift to you is whatever it is that He has given you as a spiritual gift. Your gift to Him is how you use it. He has gifted you. He has commissioned you and me. He has equipped us. He has taught us through the apostles so that they could establish the message that you and I are to proclaim today. I hope you stayed in Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul writes in verse 11, He gave some as apostles, He gave some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. And here's why He gave them, and He gave them to the church. Verse 12, He equipped them, oh no, He gave them for the equipping of the saints, that's you and me, for the work of service, so that we might build up the body of Christ until we all obtain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature people, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, you and I are to be children. We are no longer, I should say, in verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children who are tossed here and there by waves and, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But we are to speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. 
according to the proper working of each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building of of itself in love. Folks, you and I are very necessary in God's orders to build up the church. We all have a part. Each individual has a part. And now the orders that he gave the apostles are fallen upon our shoulders. Do we accept them? Maybe now you can see more clearly why the apostles were so adamant about protecting what they taught. As we saw in Second John, John says, look, if someone comes to you and he preaches to you a gospel that we have not preached, don't, don't entertain him. Don't allow him to stay with you. Don't receive him. Let him go. Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 9, look, he says to you, if an angel were to come from heaven itself and proclaim to you a gospel different than what we have preached, let that person, let that angel be accursed. And so we can see why these apostles were so staunch, so adamant upon protecting what they gave to the church. Our Lord was building them into teaching all of us what is called, look back at Acts again, but this time look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. When people came to Christ, in Acts chapter 2, it says that after Peter had preached in verse 41, it said those had received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. About 3,000 people came to Christ. And here's what took place when they came to Christ in verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to what? The apostles' teachings. That's to doctrine, which is the truth, the teaching that establishes the church. The success of every church depends upon a clear and deep knowledge of God's word, God's teaching, God's doctrine. When I was studying all of this, I came upon a quote from Spurgeon. Spurgeon was one of the great preachers of his day. And Spurgeon said these words, and oh, that I would be seen um, faithful enough to say them. Spurgeon said these words to the church concerning the Word of God. He says, We might preach until our tongues rot. We might preach until we exhaust our lungs and die. But never a soul will be converted unless the Holy Spirit uses God's Word to convert that soul. Folks, it is not your trickery. It is not our intelligence. It's not our good words or our ability to communicate that brings a person to Christ. What brings a person to Jesus Christ is a teaching of the Word of God. And the Word of God moves within our hearts and, 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 and holds itself true to our hearts. And we say amen to that. And we accept the Lord by the Word of God, not by any other means at all. And so I say to you, we can listen to seeker-friendly churches or whatever they want to call themselves if they wish, who haphazardly and casually and very um, topically just go from here to there through the Word of God. doesn't matter wherever. But for me, I'll listen to Spurgeon. For me, I want to listen to the apostles. No, more importantly, for me, I want to listen to our Lord, our God. I want to preach the Word of God line upon line with fear and trembling and awe so that you and I can become equipped 
so that we will take church very seriously, so that we won't just make this a country club, this the Rock Community Church, but this will be a place where we will become equipped. We will be a place that will draw young people to Christ and watch them grow in their faith, but we cannot take them to any place further than where we are. So adults in this room, those of us who are older, we need to get serious about church. We need to, oh, you already do. I don't know why I'm, I'm like preaching. I want to, I want to say these to churches that don't, that nobody carries their Bible into their church anymore. And they don't open their Bible and they don't study their Bible. And next week, what we're going to see, I know I only went through two verses. Next week, we're going to see why it was so necessary for the Lord. Look what he says in verse three. He says, to these, to the apostles, he presented himself alive after his suffering by many convicting proofs. You know why he did that? He did that because he was asking them to go into the world and give their lives, if need be, for the cause of Christ. And what they needed to do was to know for certain that they weren't just living their lives for no reason, but there was really truly a reason that they're alive. And they were alive because Jesus Christ is alive. And they had that hope fixed in them. And so every one of those guys, every single one of them were martyred because they knew they had a gospel to be preached to the next generation. And they didn't care about their lives as much as they cared about the Word of God. And I want to be that type of man. I want to care about you. I want to love you. I want to care about the Word of God. I want to pass along to you the best I can what is written within these pages so that you and I would understand that we're not just some country club. We just don't come to church so we can feel good about ourselves. and you know, But we can come to church and become serious about our faith and become people who desire to know what we know and pass it along to our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors. Life is serious, folks. We're in a battle. If you don't know it, if you can't see it, then please turn on the TV once and look what's happening in this world. It's falling apart. And there needs to be a voice out there that draws people to Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to be that voice. I hear the orders and I take them seriously and I say, yes, Father. I'll be that person if you so desire. I want us to be that church if he so desires to reach into the uttermost parts of this world if we have to. I know this is a heavy message. This is a heavy book. We're going to get serious about our faith and the good part about it is I believe that you want to be. I believe that with all my heart. I don't believe I'm the only one Let's pray. Father, please allow us to see the the seriousness of this, the orders that you gave to the apostles. We can't sit there and read it and say, well, that's for them and they need to do that. No, we need to sit there and read it and understand that that has now fallen upon our shoulders. And the good part is that you've equipped us. The good part is you have empowered us. The good part is you'll allow us to do what you've called us to do. We're not in this alone. We have the very Spirit of God moving us. And so, Father, would you please allow us to be that place that you desire us to be. I have no idea what that means. and You have not revealed all of that yet, I don't think, to any of us. We'll just move day by day, moment by moment. 
trying to seek your word and seek your uh, your presence among us. And we ask very, very, I do, I ask very strongly, Father, that you would lead us, that we do not lead ourselves. You make us go where you want us to go. Lord, thank you for uh, these people whom I love. You know how much. I pray you'll bless each of us, Father, and that we'll take serious the call that we have as Christians. Now, will you bless us and bring us back next week, Father, that we might see more of what Luke has to say to us, the church. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. I love you.